Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 14th of May 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our series looking at God's power with the power of testimony. The reading is John chapter 4 verses 1 to 22. So let's go and join Paul as he's introducing the service. Good morning everyone. <laughs> I wonder if there's a scripture that says something like, and as they gathered they chatted. I don't know if there's a scripture, but if that is a, if there is a scripture, then it's a great definition of the kind of welcoming hubbub of noise um, that we've just heard. It's great just to be together and great just to come before our Lord. We've got some announce, announcements and some notices to make. First of all, just wanted to say thank you to anybody that was involved in the Hub's 10th anniversary celebrations last Monday. Um, I hope you agree it was a great time of being together. Those of us that worshipped in the morning, there was a wonderful sense of God's blessing, not just for what has been, but what is and what is to come. And thank you if you're part of that. Thank you if you're part of the wonderful team that made cakes and refreshments. I certainly benefited from that. And thank you for, the, for those that stayed behind, that were volunteers, that looked after. We had 72 children came through on that morning, uh, that uh, lunchtime and beyond. 72 children, which represents, I don't know how many families, that the hub connects with. Thank you, Lord, that we, can, we, we get the privilege of being Jesus to those families. There are a couple of notices, as I say. Um, I'm going to ask Lorraine to come up and do a notice, if that's okay, with regards to some craft ideas that are well beyond my capability. Good morning, my church family. Good to see you all this morning. Um, Marjorie's not here today, but she's asked me just to um, say that they are going to start a regular craft evening. I think it's once a month on the first Tuesday of the month. The first one's going to be Tuesday the 6th of June at the Hub, 7 to 9 p.m. And this project will be decoupage. I think that's how you say it. And they're going to create 3D pictures, all right? And she gave me these to show you. This is what you could make. Ooh, yeah, okay, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, okay. So this is going to be outside, so you can put your name on if you want to come to the evening. She's put all of the um, information on there. Um, If you want any more information, best to contact her. Um, but if you'd like to come, men or women, okay, or both, you know what I mean. So you're all welcome to the craft evening. Thanks, Lorraine. It's lovely to have some family news. So just to share some family news and, uh, and to say, uh, wherever you are, Ollie, and where are you, Ollie? Ollie, congratulations on your birthday last week. Um, I never ask a gentleman how old he is, but congratulations for however old you are. Because tomorrow, one of our number is 25, and I know I don't look it. But, but Tommy, congratulations on a 25th birthday tomorrow as well. But really, uh, I know this is just me leading you guys in singing, but you can go Ollie, Tommy, or Tommy, Ollie. It's all very good here. Uh, uh, oh, hello. Thanks, Lorraine. <laughs> Have you got a note? Oh, better than a note. <laughs> Happy birthday to Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ollie and Tommy. Happy birthday to you. Well, I think. 
thank you. And last but not least, and we've left the really important one to last. If you're a visitor to this church, if this is your first time here, we're blessed having you among us. And I know some visitors have come from far and wide, so lovely to see uh, Mike and uh, Margaret from Seaford. Oh, they've come to check up on me and Lorraine. No, I mean, <laughs> lovely to have you guys with us and just to take some time with you. But to say, I wonder if anyone can beat this. Has anyone, I don't know how far you've come this morning to church, but you haven't come as far as some of our visitors. Lovely to see you if you're from Australia. I won't, I won't, I don't know where they are, they are all over, <laughs> over there somewhere. We're blessed to have you. Can you take our love back to your homeland when you go back there? That would be amazing. You are really welcome in this church, whether this is your first time here or your millionth, because you're among family and you're among church friends and family. Do you know, this morning we're going to look at the power of testimony. I love the fact that Paul reminds us that we should point constantly to Christ in our lives. He writes to this church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2, and this is what he says from verse 6. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or from anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden on you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her children. We love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. Remember, sorry, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toll and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden, but we preach the gospel of God to you. What an amazing epitaph that our testimony is something that speaks of God to our world, to our society. To each other. This morning, I know we're going to sing some worship in a moment that speaks about the reality of us joining with God in that power of being His. Lorraine. Rebellion, 
conquered me in my sin, has welcomed me into his presence, completely invited me in. He has made himself the object of my sight, flooding me with mercies in the morning, drowning me with grace in the night. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. But what I do have is good news, for my God knew that man-made words would never do, for words are just tools for me to point to the truth. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the word, living proof. So praise him for his life, the way he persevered in strife, the humble son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice. Praise him for his death, that he willingly stood in our place, that he lovingly endured the grave, that he battled our enemy, and on the third day rose in victory. He is everything that was promised. Praise him as your risen king. Lift your voice and sing, for one day he will return for us, and we will finally be united with our saviour for eternity. So it's not just words that I proclaim, for my words point to the word, and the word has a name. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. Praise his name forever. Could we have the offering? Could we have the offering in the first hymn? We'll stand and sing, and can it be? the goodness of God. Oh, Father, we praise you for your goodness and your hands on our lives. Father, we bless you and we say there is none like you. Jesus, there is none like you. And we praise you for your hands on our lives. Father, we just pray for our children as they're about to leave. Father, your heart was always towards the children. We pray for our young people that you would bless them today as they learn more about you. Father, encourage them, watch over them, and keep them safe, and bless their teachers too. And thank you for the time that they give up. So, Father, thank you, and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Julian, if you'd like to do the intercessions.
Okay, two questions. Here we go. Who believes that prayer works? Come on, go on. Who knows prayer works? Brilliant. Let's go then. Let's go. Let me get my notes out. Um, Paul came up to me just now and asked asked, um, this person, Carol, Carol, who sits down here, uh, Tanya's mum. Is that right, Paul? Yeah. She's just had a hip operation. How many have had uh, false hips here? One, two. Knees? Knees? Oh, we just thank you, Lord, that we can have these false hips and these false knees. Oh, the pain's terrific, I hear. A very good friend of mine, Trevor's just had his knee done, and he said it was absolutely excruciating pain, but now it's getting better. Lord, we just lift up Carol to you now, and we just ask her to thank you for the possibility and the, the chance that she's had this, this new limb. Yeah, we ask this in the name of Jesus, and we ask you to bless her. Amen, 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 amen. You know what you're doing when you're coming up here and ask. Uh, I'll, I'll just witness something because Paul was talking about um, testimony. I was coming down the road there and I was saying, Lord, how can you use me today? Lord, how can you use me? Because I'm always doing that. And he, sometimes he says yes and sometimes he says no. But anyway, I came in through the door and I sat down there, tap on my shoulder, and uh, <laughs> Lorraine, Lorraine said, could you uh, do some intercession? And I said, yes, great, fantastic. That's great. And you feel lifted and you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for using me. And then the hard bit comes because the, the, the fear comes in that you're not going to glorify God enough and, the, and what to say and what, this, that and the other. And I was agonizing. I've been agonizing about this. And then God starts tap me on the shoulder again in so many words and just said, get on with it, which I've done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, what he said, actually, well, I mustn't say that. Yeah, 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 what God said, absolutely what he said. He said, when you're, when you're praying, first of all, you've got to clear your mind a bit. You've got to clear the confession. You've got to confess all the sins and all the rubbish. Because God said, I'm holy because you are holy. I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. So... With prayer, it's important that we confess our sins. The same in um, uh, communion. We always must come to communion with a clear mind and clear heart and confess souls. The Catholics have got that right, haven't they? They go to confession and confess things, and they come out feeling a lot better, I'm sure. Um, Keep it simple, yes, that's easy. And be aware of the Trinity. Now, a lot of people have trouble with the Trinity. I must say this. Before I wrap up, the um, God is like the sun. The sun's God is sun up there. The light is Jesus, and the heat is the Holy Spirit. And the triune God is so very important for us. Just for those who are struggling with that at the moment. And another thing that I was really prompted on my mind. He says, when I answer prayer, 
for goodness sake, write it down so you can remember your prayer and see whether it's been um, answered. Lord, I just, today, Lord, I'm just going to, there's two ways of intercessing, Lord, I know, I feel, that's from you and to you. And sometimes it's from you. Lord, I just lift up the pastors, past and present, the ones that have been here, the ones who are sitting in the seats now, the ones who are prepared to put their head above the pulpit. The, yeah, above the pulpit, and little above the wall, anyway, sitting ducks. I just pray for these guys because they're right on the forefront of, of the um, spiritual warfare and the protection of us. I also, Lord, pray for the farmers in the area for the simple reason they supply the food that nourishes our body. So we've got the pastors who nourish our souls and the farmers who nourish our bodies. In the name of Jesus, we lift these people up. We just thank you, Lord, that we can come to you today and just intercede. Like we pray for these people with false hips, etc. We just pray for the, the thankfulness of just being with you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Julian. And we're going to sing a new song called Hymn of Heaven. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, we're going to sing a new song. You, you may have heard us um, playing it as you came in. Hymn of Heaven. And on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice, a thousand generations sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Okay, we'll sing the first verse twice so you get the hang of it. Our reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 1 to 22 and then 39 to 42. So John's Gospel, chapter 4, from verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, midday. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Let's pray with Paul brings the word to us. Heavenly Father, we honour you, we lift you up. You are welcome in this place, being enthroned upon our praises. You have been enthroned upon our praises, and we thank you. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, as Paul brings your word, open our hearts and minds. Anoint him, bless him, encourage him, give him the words to speak, the words that we need to hear. For your glory, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. He's a very brave man. If I was Julian, I would have not asked the question, how many have false hips or knees? <laughs> I wouldn't have done so. But, you know, as he raised the question, it raised one in my mind. How many of us in this church can testify to the awesome healing power of God? Because either God has miraculously healed us or through those encounters with this miracle called the NHS he's given us, we find his healing touch. And this morning we're going to be looking at the power of testimony, but maybe not from the angle you might, not, might think of actually, not from that sense of how many here have had this or what has happened. And this morning it's not so much about me encouraging you to share your testimony, Although I want to encourage you to share your testimony. But rather to make a suggestion. That your testimony, my testimony, would be transformed by the awe and power of encountering God this morning. If we just let God encounter us. 
And I want to invite you this morning to encounter him. You know, if in a minute the, the whole place breaks forth and the power of the Spirit washes through us and among us, and I have to sit down, hallelujah, Lord. But this morning I invite you to do nothing less than encounter the Lord. Now, I wonder if you agree with me. Maybe you will and maybe you won't. But I think, personally, one of the saddest things about the church universal of which we're a part, particularly in the Western world, is that we seem to be ineffective or ineffective. Actually, not just a little bit, but totally. And I've pondered that, and I've pondered today, And I've pondered this thing about the power of testimony and I've pondered the last few weeks where we've been talking of the power of. Looking at that power within the church. And I think I've begun to see two things. So see if you agree. That firstly, the church universal, and yes, the church here, needs the power of God more than ever before to be effective for the Lord. And secondly, that the Lord longs to pour out his power on the church. So if that's true, why is it not happening right here, right now? I think it comes down to something really simple. Friends, I'd like to suggest we lack power because we are lacking in the presence of God. We need more God. You may be not like me, but I leak. And so daily, moment by moment, I need the filling of the Holy Spirit. I need God's presence. And today, we're going to pray that that's a reality for you and for me and for this church. And why do we need it? Here's the tough bit. So much in the church of today looks like the world of today. Acts no differently from the world of today has habits and hobbies and entertainment that's just like the world and in doing so we're making no impact whatsoever the world doesn't give us a second look we're not even making them feel uncomfortable do you remember Lot him of Old Testament Lot remember him It becomes so integrated with Sodom and Gomorrah that they didn't pay any attention to him whatsoever. He speaks out. When it comes time for God to pour his judgment out, Lot speaks out. He warns them. And he's mocked. He's got no influence because he'd become just like one of them. That's the church universal. We talk about taking the walls down. Friends, here's a bit of a tough kernel to grasp, because there's a cost. If we take the walls down, if we really want to, then first of all, we've got to stand up and be different. We must let God encounter us in a unique, amazing, wonderful way. Because if we're being blunt, we're far more concerned about our comfort, our toys, our time, our homes, our call cars, our whatever, that we are about a world that's lost and dying and going to hell. It's not those things don't matter, it's just that we prioritise them over God. Have we 
become the sort of church described in Haggai chapter 1, where God says this from Haggai 1.9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. They were more interested in their own activities. If you read the rest of Haggai, you'll see they're more interested in panelling the walls of their own houses. While the temple of God lays in ruin, I want to say to this morning that God, the Church of God internationally, universally, is in many places in ruins. What about here? And it's in ruins because you and I are more concerned about our own interest. Interesting, isn't it? The church today doesn't cry over how many people are dying in their sin. Rather, we cry over the amount of time we have to give up and go to church. Or how long the preacher preaches for. It doesn't cry over those that are lost and broken that need the Lord. But rather we cry over the time we spent ministering to others when we could have been doing what we really want to do. And that attitude shows more than any words ever could that we need the Holy Spirit power in a new, dynamic way. And we need our priorities changing. It was an amazing experience yesterday to go and be a part of a men's breakfast without telling you where. But as this is happening... For one person, the Holy Spirit was real and dynamic, and there and then they're on their knees. The Lord wants to put you and I on our knees. Why do I know that? See, I can't escape the fact that God wants to do something dynamic here among us. And when I read about the revivals of the past, I read about God's people and how God's presence descends on people in power. People flock to churches in droves. People fall on their knees and holy before a holy God, begging for his mercy when the church of Jesus Christ falls to its knees and is filled itself. I've got to go back to this. I... I did a little bit of research about the Welsh revival so if you know a lot more about them than me hallelujah bless you but in Wales in 1743 God's presence came so powerfully among the people that one writer said this it's so incredible that you can hardly believe it unless you see it for yourself they're singing and praying and it's so full of God there are God saturated people oh how my soul burned with love when I was among them. They fall almost as dead by the power of the word. They continue weeping for joy, having found their Messiah. Some of them are crying under a sense of their own wickedness. Some of them are in the pangs of new birth. All are lifting up holy hands with heart filled with God. Filled with joy. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Let that be Mudhead Baptist Church now but today the church of Jesus Christ universal has so little presence of the God so little power of God that we're not even making an impact on our neighbours and our friends we're not even leaving a dent in the society in which we live we become weak, impotent and powerless and that's not very good news 
And someone once said, dear preacher, always leave people with good news. And incidentally, by leave, I don't mean I'm finishing. Tough luck. (laughs) But here's the good news. What's the remedy? Is there hope? I believe there is. And I believe it starts when you and I literally cry out to God for the extraordinary visit of God. That's awesome. If God comes, it turns apathy into action. If God falls upon us and we fall upon our knees, we have our former ideas or complacency dealt with. Comfort and ease, it will not be. But exciting, dynamic, awesome, it will be. And we'll weep over our indifferences and turn to Christ with a passion. And all of that matters if you want to share your testimony. Because when we turn to Christ with a passion, we begin to make an impact in the world. We share testimonies of a truly changed, transformed life. Then we will see God's presence in and with us and we will see it working. The lost will begin to cry for mercy. And because they see God working in the church, they'll want what we have. And if you want to know how I know that, that's what happens to this woman in this story. This encounter with Jesus changed everything. An awesome passage. It changed everything. Her testimony brought revival. I love to learn the lessons. May, Lord, that you today repeat what today, literally in my head, what you did back then in Samaria. Wow. So Jesus goes and he speaks to this Samarian woman. And in the, inqu- in the encounter with him, she had her thirst quenched. And he satisfied, satisfied her desires and her longings. You know, only Jesus can do that. As he's speaking with her, his disciples go into town to buy food and they come back just in time to witness an event that's nothing short of a revival. So let's have a look at it. John chapter 4, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Oh, hold on a minute. Notice the words, many believed in verse 39. And then in verse 41, many more became believers. There's something happening here. The revival of this town in Samaria started with the testimony of a previously immoral woman. But it ends with the glorification of a Lord. Personal testimony, your testimony is a powerful thing. See, if you read all of John 4, this woman had been living immorally, was isolating herself from society. She's going from man for man, thirsting in her soul for love. 
And she had the scars, didn't she? A broken relationship and shame of her immoral lifestyle. And incidentally, for she, you could reply, you could put the word he. And it'd be equally as appropriate. But then she met Jesus. And she drank in his forgiveness and his grace. It was like parched water. Parched desert land. And water being poured on it. She was satisfied. She was changed. And then she could not wait to tell others. So she left the water pot. Did you notice that? She came seeking water, but she never did have water. Save the water of the Lord. She leaves her pot and she runs to her town and she gives the testimony. And her testimony is so powerful because of that quenching thirst, life-changing encounter with the Lord. That the scripture says many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Yeah. So the truth is, she came to the well that day, someone in need of the quenching thirst of Jesus Christ. So we might say someone just lost. And she left and returned a teacher of evangelical truth. She is going to tell them, this is Jesus. And a testimony from verse 29 is simply this. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Yeah, there's power in a personal testimony of a changed life, isn't there? Do you know the Lord this morning wants to change and challenge you? I wonder if you do. I love another place in scripture where we see testimony. I'm a bit of a Revelation fan, in case you hadn't noticed. But Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come, no, sorry, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Can you see what's written there about the power of testimony? The passage says there's an accuser, someone who stands before God and accuses us. I I thought I'd show you on me. This is how it goes. The devil says that that Paul McCabe is a liar, he's immoral. He did this. They're unforgiving, bitter parts of his life. And as those accusations happen, you kind of feel the sting of them because you know they're true. But Paul McCabe knows that. that On the cross, Jesus died for my sin and became sin for me. And I know that the blood covers those sins. And so I can stand in church today and say this. I was this or that. But God forgave my sin. God changed my heart. God made me new. And guess what? I have now overcome the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. What about you? There's a power in a testimony of a changed life. So here goes. And yes, we were about to finish. Hallelujah. Who said that? So here goes, okay. 
A good testimony is, first of all, short. It's good, isn't it? It is, though. There's people laughing, oh, yeah, 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 I've been there. I've listened to people give testimony, and by the time they finished, I know their inside leg measurement. But actually, her testimony was short. One sentence, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Notice she didn't say, let me tell you everything I ever did. She kept it short. Her testimony acknowledged her past, but it spared the detail. Secondly, it was Christ-centered. Her testimony wasn't about her. That's unusual, isn't it? But it's true. It was about a man who told her everything she ever did. Testimony was about Christ. And in one short sentence, she describes him as man, prophet, God, and Messiah. And that's the most thing about testimony, about you and me. It has to be about Jesus. Who he is, how he satisfied me, how he changed me. A while ago, I heard a church, it wasn't here, so I'm not talking about anyone here. I was in church and testimonies were being asked for. And to sum up this gent's testimony, which was about 10 minutes long, it was really saying this, I've lived a good life all these years, I've helped the homeless, I've always tithed, and I've done my best. Tithed, and I've done my best. Well, that's fine to share, but that's not Christian testimony. Good testimony is about Christ. And if Jesus this morning speaks to you, you will have testimony to share. And it's invitational. Did you notice that? She says, see, come, come see a man. A good testimony is not just for yourself. It should contain an invitation to all. So, my friends, my testimony this morning to you is this. Jesus changed me forever. I invite him, you to, do this, to let him do the same to you today. So it's a bit like this, using me again, which is true of my life. I was wicked in my heart and in my life. I was in bondage to sin and to myself. I lived every day for me. And in so doing, I hurt a lot of people along the way. But then I met Jesus Christ. He forgave my sin and he paid the price for me dying in my place. He changed my life because I don't love the same things I used to. Now I really love Jesus and I want to really know him and love him too. Job done. Testimony shared. Not that I'm here this morning to urge you to go and share your testimonies. But I am saying this woman went and simply shared her testimony. She met Jesus. She spent some time with him. She had a conversation with him. And in doing so... It empowered her. I guess what I am saying is there's nothing more important than meeting Jesus and talking to him personally. Whatever else is on your agenda this morning, can I respectfully suggest that you leave it to one side and in a few minutes' time, take some time just to encounter him. Our lives ought to be consumed with meeting Jesus if we know him as Lord and being with him. That's the priority our lives should have. And if we do that, nobody will be able to stop us from sharing testimony. And there's power in the smallest, most humble of testimonies. Back to my study of Welsh Revival. Welsh Revival of 1904. 
has been called the biggest revival in the history of the world. It touched more countries than any other revival, as far as we can make out. Hundreds and thousands of conversions were recorded. Churches that were previously empty were now packed. Bars and nightclubs shut down all over the world. It is absolutely true that in parts of the world, policemen formed barbershop quartets because they didn't have any crime to deal with. That's amazing. But how did it all start? It started when a young lady stood up in a small church service and said this. I love Jesus with all of my heart. Her testimony was so moving and so powerful that people began to weep in the church service. And that short, Christ-centered testimony was the beginning of worldwide revival. Easy, isn't it? Well, it's easy for us to let God have his way. There's power in a personal testimony. I want to say to you, my friends, whether I've known you for ages or today's our first meeting, it's time that we made change in our lives. It's time that we met Jesus for real. It's time to turn from our apathy and from our indifference. It's time to plead with Christ to come and stay with us. It's time to plead for his presence and his power and to ask for our testimony to become a testimony for him. I've only one thing left to ask you to do with me. And it's a very personal thing. I wonder if you pray with me that the power of the Holy Spirit might fall. If you are able, please pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that with you there is forgiveness. That you don't treat us as our sins deserve. That when we humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, then you hear from heaven, forgive our sins, heal our sick land. Today, individually and collectively as a church, we repent. We ask you to come to this your church, that you allow us to call our church today. We invite you in. We ask you to please come and stay with us. Revive your church. Wake us up. Pour yourself out upon us, O God, we pray. That our story and our testimony may simply cry to mine head of who you are and how you love. Pour yourself out upon us, O God, we pray. That we may see many come to you, fall on their knees before you, and put their faith in you. Friends, before we close our prayer, there's just some simple space for you to come with your prayers before your Lord.
become, Lord, as we are. Have your way among us. Fill us with your spirit. Embolden us with your message. Make us proclaimers of the good news as we share your testimony of love. In Jesus' name. Friends, Lorraine's going to lead us in a song, a song of response. Oh, oh, let the Son of God enfold you. up we're going to use that actually because there's something very profound about asking the Lord to fill us several folk have just come and said they have something to bring we're going to honour that but between each time we're actually just going to use those words as well I'm going to ask Clarissa to do a reading we'll come in a minute John is that okay Jesus spoke to me yesterday Um, some of you will know that I lost my husband last year and this winter has been really hard And Jesus spoke to me, and I think he's speaking to all of us and telling us how much he loves us. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are gone and over. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. Hallelujah. Sorry, I've lost my place. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruits. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come to me. Jesus, oh Stand up, stand up for Jesus. 
Hallelujah, my friend. Jesus, oh going to have to say this quite happily because I'll cry um, but I will keep this short and I was going to make a joke I was going to say like the inside measurement of my leg which is 29 <laughs> inches um, but just before Easter I think we you know someone like me I was going through everyday life it was the same routine you know you get up you eat you go to bed you do these things and and you you know sometimes there's things to look forward to um and then all of a sudden something will happen bam and it will change change you and you think you know uh, why why you start asking questions why is this happening and you kind of dismiss it a little bit, you know, it's not such a bad thing. There's worse things, there's grief, there's war, there's lots of other things going on. Why am I thinking about this? And then, bam, something else happens. And then you think, okay, round two, you know, I can deal with this, I'm strong enough, I can do it. And then, bam, something else happens. And you think, surely not. This is three things that have happened all at once. Can I really handle this? And you kind of take your focus away from what you should be focusing on, which is God and Jesus. And I didn't know this at the time. I'm just thinking, why is this happening to me? Woe is me, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then, it, and then bam, you realise that you've got to turn to God and then like the song said he's running after you he's running after me and it's because you're going away from him you feel that you need to have him run after you to grab you to give you the strength to do to carry on you know and then prayer comes into it because you think I haven't been doing enough praying why haven't I been praying about this You know, all these bad things are happening. Why am I not praying? And then I think, I prayed one thing. Lord Jesus, if you want me to not do this, close the door. If you want me to do something else, open that door. And it was that one simple prayer that changed the whole thing. It was almost like I was empowered I was encouraged, and all these things just come flooding in. The Holy Spirit, the heat in my chest that I get when the Holy Spirit comes. And it was that turning moment that I realised I hadn't been focusing on the right thing. I needed to focus on him. 
Amen. We're going to pray. We're going to sing that song again. Okay, then we're going to have some prayer. But if you have something to share, please come and find me and we'll talk about sharing. Jesus, oh Jesus, come and fill your hands. Jesus, oh Jesus, come and fill your hands. Father, we pray for John of his hip operation on Thursday. We simply pray that you, Lord, would be with him, that he would be able to give testimony and witness to your awesome healing power, that recovery would be so much better than has been thought, and that, Lord, his time not being here would be even the more shorter because his testimony is even the more powerful. We pray for John, in Jesus' name. Amen. Minnie's going to come and we're going to pray for the other John. If I can call the chap at Watch It the other John, but you know what I mean. It's been really on my heart this morning that actually looking around our church family here at Minehead, um, that we should be praying and joining with our brothers and sisters over at Watch It Baptist Church this morning who will be praying for John Parsons, who many of you will know as well. Um, so let's pray. Father God, we thank you for John. I thank you for his and Mary's role in my life and my Christian journey. Father, I thank you for his faithful servant and service to you. I thank you for all that he does to glorify your name. As Watch It prepared to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the sanctuary, I remember that opening and John and Mary and, their, and the celebration of them and all that they've been part of over at Watch It Baptist Church. Lord, this morning as Watch It meet and bring John to you as well, so do we here for all those of us in this place that know John and those of us that don't. Father, we know that you are a God of healing and a God of unbelievable grace and power. So this morning, pour out your healing hand into those looking after John in intensive care. Father, Restore him to health. Father, bless those who care for him. Father, for his friends here in this place and for his family. Lord, give them your peace knowing that John is a servant of you. And in all that happens, he knows your resurrection power. And he is a friend of the living God. Father, thank you for who he is and for all that he has done. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.
And finally, friends, we pray for Brian. Lord, we pray that at this time of life, when medically so much is happening, and Lord, it would seem as if time is short, we simply pray that you would bless him mightily like never before with your awesome presence. That you would remind him that he is your child. That you love him and care for him. And we pray for Hazel too. That that awesome majestic grace may be hers as well. And that in these days and weeks she would draw closer to you than ever before. We bring all of those folks we have prayed for this morning to you in your amazing name. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, we're going to finish with a song of worship, I believe, Lorraine, before um, we have head out for coffee. I've kind of two notices which I forgot to give. The first is to remind all the church members that tomorrow is a church meeting day. It's not Tuesday, it's Monday. Um, what can you say except this is what happens when you employ someone that's in college. Um, but Mondays now is our church meeting day uh, rather than Tuesday, so church meeting is tomorrow. And the second is simply to say that the tea and coffee will be served through there in a moment. Please come and join us for fellowship. If God has spoken to you today and you need uh, to speak to me or to one or the others of the, the ministers or team here, please come and find us after the service. Lorraine. Okay, should we stand as we finish to sing All I Once Held Dear and the last verse, Oh, to know the power of your risen life and to know you in your sufferings, to become like you in your death, my Lord, so with you to live and never die. As a blessing, friend, over you, I'd simply pray the words of Jesus himself as on the night before he went to the cross, he says this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, may our testimony always point to you and let the world know that we love and you are love. In Jesus' name. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to myonhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.